gosh, you guys. I'm so excited to welcome you to the first episode of It's a Theater Thing. This podcast is made for and by theater fans. My name is Tracy Danoff, and I qualify myself as a lifelong theater nerd. And like any other card-carrying theater nerd, I am always super happy to talk about Broadway or just theater in general. For a long time, I've been wanting to do a podcast to give fans the opportunity to express themselves. So I created It's a Theater Thing to allow fans like myself and my friends to share their stories and also to discuss theater-related issues. Thanks to Chris Peterson of the Onstage Blog Network, I get to share this podcast with you and give you the chance to have your say. So I'm talking to you, theater fans. You have opinions. I know you do. And I want to hear them. So email me at theaterthing at gmail.com with a story or an area of interest, and you may be our next guest on the podcast. Now, most of our episodes, I will be joined by my partner in crime, Aaron Carl. And we'll be hearing from Aaron a little later during our panel discussion. Trish Beefus, an avid Broadway fan from Canada, will also be joining us in a discussion later on, and that's going to be about live televised musicals. The most recent one was Rent Live. Now, some people loved it, some people not so much. We're going to be talking about that and the pros and cons of these productions, and if they actually really work. But before our discussion, we're going to hear a little bit more about Trish and her very special experience with Rent. And we're back with Trish Beefus. One of the great things about this podcast is I'm really excited to give fans a chance to talk about their personal connections to Broadway shows. So Trish is going to talk to us a bit about her personal connection with Rhett. First of all, Trish, you're from Calgary. Is that correct? I am. Okay. And how did you first hear about Rent? I saw the original cast on the Rosie O'Donnell show, and I ordered the cast album on cassette. Okay. And how did, did the music speak to you right away or did it grow on you? How did you get into it? Um, I think the song that I saw was Seasons of Love. And for me, all of the different aspects of life, like cups of coffee, things like that, were things that I could resonate with. So it was something that I thought, hey, I bet I would like the show. Great. And so let me ask you, like, how many times maybe in the first week did you listen to it? Because I know I listened to it like at least 100 times the first week I had the cast recording. <laughs> oh, I'm sure that too. And, and I, I lived um, in Red Deer, which was about an hour and a half from Calgary. So I used to listen to it on my drive down to visit my parents all the time. Okay. And did it speak to you in a, in a way in terms of, like, for, for me, it spoke to me in terms of you can make whoever you want your family. Your blood relatives don't have to be your family. Definitely, yes. I had a friend actually bring me a bag of rice when I lived in Red Deer because I didn't have very much money for food, just so that I could eat. <laughs> so now you actually got to direct a production of Rent. Tell us how that happened. Um, I'm not exactly sure how it happened. It just, the, the theater company didn't have a show, and we had just done Tick, Tick, Boom. And my friend who was in it said, um, 
you should direct it. And I was like, no one's going to let me direct this. And lo and behold, a theater company did. They didn't have a show coming up. Well, they did, but they had decided to switch it off. Um, and so we got together with the, the president of that theater company and discussed reasons why they think I could do it, um, if there were things I needed help with, and came up with a team and decided to do it. So That's pretty awesome. Had you ever directed before? I just wasn't directed, um, and I certainly have my own thoughts and opinions of shows, so I had a friend that I could work with that if I had an idea, I would tell him, and most times he would use it, so I know my friend who um, suggested it knew that I would have the knowledge to do it, so... Great. And how did that impact your relationship with your friends who were your family and your real family? <laughs> well, when it's announced that it's you doing this, you do hear from a lot of friends that were super excited. Um, I feel like everyone just knows that I like rent. Uh, my family was very excited. I actually got to call my mom from New York. I hadn't told them until it was announced by the company because we wanted to wait, obviously, until we had the rights and everything. And so I called her from New York, and that was kind of a surreal experience. And uh, they were very, very excited for me. Um, my dad bought me a computer I could use to take notes on, and um, they came opening night. So <laughs> That's awesome. Now, that experience was a little bittersweet, wasn't it? Do you have yes. some family issues at the time? Yeah, it was sort of the realization of how sick my mom was. Okay. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, but she got to see you direct this terrific show, so that was awesome. <laughs> it was. It was really – it was hard, like, a few months later, and I was listening to the – listening to the cast album in my car just after I'd seen her in the hospital and I'm crying but I'm thinking at least she got to see it so that was exciting for me yeah and and there was a special significance to seasons of love for you wasn't there seasons of love is what we played at her funeral oh, okay it's a beautiful song and what a life-affirming song it is. And it was very it really different. Is. Yeah. Yeah. But you had something as sad as that was, you had something really special happen to you the first year of Broadway Con. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that first year? What was so special about Broadway Con that first year? What were they celebrating? And then what happened to you? Okay. okay. Uh, uh, so, so the first year of Broadway Con was the anniversary of Rent. And they were doing a rent reunion panel with original cast members. My little bit of preamble to this was for when I directed the show opening, I got my nails done in the four colors of the rent poster. And um, so I decided I would go and do that in New York. And I show the person sitting next to me. I said, oh, look, I have a red manic here. Prepare to explain what that means, because people might not know. And she said, I'm Julie Larson, Jonathan's sister. That is so cool. Did you just burst out into tears? Because I would have. <laughs> I totally did. I did. Then she started to cry. And I was, like, pulling up pages on my phone to, like, show her, like, my cast and, um... Other than, like, my manicure from that one, because I actually have a picture of it on my poster from the show with my name on it. And um, 
she said that her dad was worried people would forget about him and I was like oh my god tell him that no one will forget about him <laughs> yeah <laughs> no and no one has <laughs> I mean the really cool thing is recently uh Jen Tepper who we all know from many different things uh from her wonderful books and from her work at 54 Below and now she's a producer of Be More Chill she put together the Jonathan Larson project at 54 Below, and we got to hear some of Jonathan's music that hadn't been heard before. So I don't think there's that anyone's going to be forgetting him anytime soon. His work right. lives on. Um, the other great thing is Lin Manuel Miranda is uh, playing a part in the Tick Tick Boom movie. I mean, not playing a part literally, but I believe he's either producing or directing. Um, shame on me right. for not knowing which one, but <laughs> off the top probably of my head. Probably a little of both. So. Yes, yeah, probably a little of both. And I'm super excited to be seeing that. So, all right. So I have to ask the question. If you were somebody in Rent, who would you be? What's your favorite character? I I think that I resonate the most with Joanne. <laughs> And I like margins and disciplines. I make lists in my sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and you got to see her that first year at Broadway Con. Isn't that yes. true? Yes. Yes. Did you get to talk to her? Just briefly, but I did this year, too, because she did the photos this year. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of fun. I was super emotional. I was like an emotional wreck even worse this year, so... <laughs> well, it's very cool that as fans we get to have those experiences and get to meet all the get to meet our heroes basically. So it's pretty cool. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us about your experience with Rat? I did get to meet Julie again at the Jonathan Larson project that Joan Tepper put on. Oh, that's awesome. Did she remember your experience? Yes. <laughs> I feel like I feel like it's so random, but it's something you wouldn't forget, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's so cool. Well, Trish, I just want to thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And if you have a personal story you want to share with us, uh, be sure to contact us at theaterthing at gmail.com. And we're back on It's a Theater Thing with Trish Beefus and Aaron Carl. And we're going to be discussing how we feel about these televised live movie, um, excuse me, musicals. <laughs> so let me ask you guys, do they work? Do you think it's worth it to even do these on TV? Trish, what do you think? <laughs> I was like, who wants to go first? <laughs> Like, I would much rather go out and see a show than watch it on my TV. Um, I don't know people that watch them that wouldn't already go see a show. So it, for me, it's not somebody new to musical theater watching it. It's my friends that already go see shows. Erin, mm. what do you think? Um, I, I do see uh, Trisha's point, and I agree that a lot of people who do watch it would already just go and see the live production at a local show or fly to a city and see it. But um, I 
also have a lot of people. I'm kind of like the theater nerd known to my local area, and so people are like coming to me like, "What do you think about this? Is this good?" So I do see people kind of reaching out for it, and I also think that it's just kind of gonna be people flipping through the channels like, "Oh, what is this?" and stopping on it and kind of getting just a taste of it. So maybe they don't like that particular show, but the next time a local theater company sends an ad out, they may not, you know, throw it away as quickly. Right. I know some people have the opinion that this may be the only way a person can get to see a show. And I think in that way, it's really valuable. My feeling about it is it's, if the quality isn't there, then it's almost not worth doing it. I had a friend who had never seen Rent. And I'm going to, you know, full disclosure, I did not like Rent Live. <laughs> so since he had never seen Rent and he had de- DVR'd it. He hadn't watched it yet. I didn't want that to be his first exposure to it. Not that there weren't some good performances, but I think as a whole, it just wasn't great. And because I'm such an advocate for the theater, especially musical theater, when I send somebody to something that I love, I want them to love it just as much. And I knew he wouldn't if he watched that. So I don't know. But how how important do you think the casting is to some of these productions? You know, do you think that makes a difference? Do you think it's going to draw in viewers? Trish, what do you think? Well, I want to see people that can actually sing, dance, act, and not just a Hollywood name. Um, but I had less issues with the acting as I did with the actual filming of it. Um, yeah, what do you think, Aaron? Oh, sorry, Trish, do you, did you have something else to add? I was just going to say, it, it sort of, like, I kind of stopped watching the performances. If I wasn't happy with them, then I just leave the room, so. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think, Aaron? Hollywood and especially television, they want the name because they think that's what's going to draw people in. The people who would normally not just go out and watch it anyway. But I think they do have to be very, very careful and make sure that the name actually can provide what is required of the part, uh, i.e. Valentina. Mm-hmm. That was, I mean, there were so many shaky and horrible scenes with Angel, and, you know, that's a very, very important plotline in the show Rent, and literally the only thing I had heard about Valentina before Rent Live aired was Andrew Paul's Drag Race. They got the most flack for not being able to sing and keep up with the lip sync battles. Mm. So I'm like, yeah. okay, and this is the person you want to do a live musical production. Like, that's, mm, yeah, I was right. very nervous just from the get-go on that. 
Right. And, and, you know, sadly, I think we're also seeing that trend on Broadway where you see a lot of stunt casting. You know, I didn't see him, but like we recently had Cuba Gooding Jr. in Chicago. Uh, right now, the football player Tiki Barber is doing uh, kinky boots. So, uh, and apparently helping ticket sales. But to me, if the person isn't, doesn't have the skills, then what? the point it, it's not an enjoyable experience um but and, you know we're talking a lot about rent but there's been a lot of these productions and some of them do work i mean i really liked um jesus christ superstar i mean now they did advertise it as a concert it didn't really feel like a concert to me but i felt like the performances were good and if you notice we had a lot of broadway people in that <laughs> Yes, that ensemble was stacked with with Broadway backs. Yeah. 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 So, in fact, I think, you know, Brandon Victor Dixon should just be in every televised musical if there's going to be more. Because <laughs> he's awesome in everything. <laughs> yeah, no complaints here. Right. He's got a lifetime pass on that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But it, it's interesting because I was reading some statistics today and they were saying, in Sound of Music, which I hate to say it, and I love me some Audrey McDonald. I love me some Laura Benanti. Um, I'm not a huge Carrie Underwood fan, but I do think she's talented. I could not sit through that thing. Couldn't sit through it. And that got, they said there were about 18.6 million viewers for that. As opposed to Rent, that only got 3.5 million viewers. Now, I'm wondering, is it because of name recognition? Do more people know Sound of Music? Or is it because of Carrie Underwood? Or is it just sort of people are getting bored with this medium? Um, can I chime in? Yes. Um, I feel like the Sound of Music is something that's been around for so long that it is very much a name thing. Um, like, that's like... I mean, we used to always act it out at the dinner table every night because that's what we did. Um, but with Rent, Rent is a, is a later generation thing, so you're not necessarily going to get, you know, the seniors watching it. Mm-hmm. I know that people came to see my when I did Rent, and they didn't like it, right? They didn't like the actual show, so... Um, um, I'm not friends with them anymore. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> um, So I feel like there is very much the age thing, you know, as far as, as those two musicals. Like, I feel like it's an unfair comparison for how many people you would get watching it. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, another interesting number was that Christmas Story Live, which you would think would appeal to a lot of people, only got 4.5 million viewers. So... I'm wondering, you know, I, I feel like sometimes people who aren't familiar with the art form feel like musicals can be outdated, um, not cool enough, you know, where maybe they would still sit and watch It's a Wonderful Life or Miracle on 34th Street or some other Christmas movie, a Hallmark Christmas movie. <laughs> there you okay. go. Well, it's a Wonderful Life fan, so that's just, I have seen the actual movie once. Um, I just feel like this sound of music has a lot more 
of the mass appeal, right? Instead of like right. smaller groups. And I'll be honest, yeah. I've never heard a Christmas story, so. Mm. Yeah. Plus, Sound of Music was the first televised production that they've done in this generation. So I think everybody was also like, can they pull this off? Can it happen? You know, just not just theater fans, but, you know, they kind of hyped it up as, hey, this is live. Anything could happen. You know, Carrie could fall on her face. Wouldn't that be funny? Ha ha ha. Right. <laughs> so I think that, you know, also brought in a lot of people. And, you know, now that three networks have done, you know, two every year, it's kind of, you know, a few people have, you know, you see what they can do. You see that they can bring it in. And so a lot of people just kind of don't watch it right away. Sure. Also, a lot of people are streaming now versus watching it live. Mm -hmm. So those numbers are a little skewed, too. Well, and that was actually a question I was going to ask you guys. Um, do you think that this would be more successful uh, just being streamed or do you think it works on network TV? Oh, that is a I, good question. I don't watch anything streamed. I only watch network TV. Mm, okay. <laughs> and, and I'm the exact opposite. I don't have TV. I only have streaming services. Right. So. And a lot of my friends just do that too. Like I... But I mean, mm -hmm. I my dad. Right? So we have all of the cable. <laughs> yeah, all of the cable. All of the cable. Like, yes. I just, I just did this last year because I, you know, I started looking at my cable bill and I'm like, and I already had Netflix, so I'm like, why I, I can watch the same show on Netflix that I'm already paying for. Right. So it was did the research and, and ended up cutting the cable. Yay. Mm -hmm. But um, I think that. Um, sites and places like Broadway HD they just need more support and they do need to grow yes and yes. then I think if they can get you know a leg up and kind of get maybe a little help from Netflix or Hulu or something mm -hmm. and get connected then then I think these types of events would be beyond successful yeah and you know the thing with Broadway HD and I haven't checked out and I'm, I'm sorry I can't recall the name of the other service that just started um, but the common complaint I hear about uh, these services is the quality of the work that they're offering I mean well I shouldn't say quality but the, the type of content where for instance for a long time Broadway HD had a lot of Shakespeare, which I love Shakespeare, but not everybody wants to watch Shakespeare. You know, some people want to be able to watch Kinky Boots <laughs> or, you know, I mean, they do have She Loves Me, which I know has been very successful for them. And it's one of my favorites. So I loved that it was on that service. But there might be other shows that people don't get to see that they would really, really enjoy seeing and they may not get to go to New York or it may not come to their city. I will say I love the fact that Netflix had Oh Hello uh, because that was a show that I had really not planned to see in New York. I try and go to New York several times a year. I try and see as much New York theater as I can, but I have to pick and choose because I live in D.C. I don't live close to New York and I'm limited. So that was a show that I was curious about. I heard it was funny, but 
there were other things that I wanted to see more. And in the end, I finally did get to see it on Netflix and it was really fun. I don't know that I would have spent the time to see it in New York, even after seeing it now. It wasn't, it wasn't something that I think I would give up another Broadway show for, but I was so happy to have the opportunity to watch it. And I totally missed Shrek on uh, Broadway. And I was really happy that that was on Netflix and I was able to watch that. So I think there are some pluses to it. Um, of course, you know, of course, people who don't have those services or maybe don't have the, you know, technical know-how. <laughs> like I have, I have a dear friend who's a bit older who kind of has a hard time with all the computer stuff. And I think it would be lost on her. But, you know, it's, it's... I just assumed that was me. That was... No, no, no. She's she's a good 40 years older than you. <laughs> so, no, not you. <laughs> so, let me, let me ask you... Oh, go ahead. That, that HD Broadway is not available in Canada. Oh. Ooh. Oh, that makes it tough. So let me ask you guys um, an, another question. Um, when watching these productions, do you prefer having the audience or not? Because with, I think with Jesus Christ Superstar, it worked really well. There were a lot of complaints about the audience at Rent Live saying that they cheered too much. It was, it was you know, too much noise and sometimes you couldn't hear the actors. I actually, that was one thing that I actually did not have a problem with. I actually enjoy having an audience there. For instance, watching Peter Pan with no audience, to me, it felt really awkward. And it's not the same energy as when you're seeing something live. Uh, I like the sort of give and take of the audience being there. What do you guys think? Oh, yeah. I think that was one of the big things that was wrong with Sound of Music, too. They didn't have an audience. So you have these amazing performances, and they just end. And there's this huge energy, and then it just drops to zero. When normally, like, the audience would kind of damper that into the next scene. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I totally felt it, you know, the difference. And I, yeah, that was one of my biggest critiques about Rent Live was... Okay, it's not a rock concert. Mark and Roger should not be high-fiving the front row during the opening. <laughs> Talking about the tent city outside their window and they're running around high-fiving the front row. Like, that, that, that doesn't fit. Right. Yeah. What do you think, Trish? I am much more of a fan of the, the closing of the Broadway show where they filmed that. And it was the mm -hmm. actual theater performance. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. I, I think if I had my choice, if I could talk to the powers that be, I would just say, let's, you know, you don't need a whole new production of these shows. Just take a camera into the theater. Yeah. <laughs> I think it works a it, lot yeah. better. Yeah. Put it in an empty proscenium house somewhere and fill the theater with rabid fans that no theater etiquette. Mm -hmm. And you can do it in a day. You can have everything recorded in less than, you know, 24 hours. Yes. But the Rent one was just the Rent final performance. There was nothing, like, 
that's all it was. It wasn't a big production for them to film it, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was just the two hours of the show. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. They brought it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They brought cameras in. And, and it, yeah. The, the last, I think it was two just to make sure they had everything. But yeah. The, and then, but yeah, that was it. And I love that DVD. I watch it often. <laughs> yeah. I love it too. <laughs> and, and I have to say one of my favorite things to watch when I was much younger was back when I think it was A and E when A and E was actually arts and entertainment, not like a bunch of reality shows. Um, they used to show Into the Woods with Bernadette Peters quite a lot, and I'm guessing they it was filmed for Lincoln Center, and it was fabulous. And I really enjoyed watching it that way. Also, you know something that uh, I'm sorry that Aaron mentioned <laughs> one one pop- positive thing about watching these things in your home is you don't have to worry about annoying people opening candy and <laughs> and you know make, talking i was at music man the other night and somebody started singing along <laughs> and i was thinking oh please don't do that please <laughs> luckily they stopped but um so that that is a plus but i will take live theater above anything else any day <laughs> So, so do you think that these productions on TV get, well, I guess, are they more successful than, say, some of the ones that they put in movie theaters, like through Fathom Events or National Theater Live? I think they are just because they reach more people. Um, but, I, you know, it was really great to be able to see some of the shows on the big screen. Uh, like I saw War Horse in a movie theater and it was they looked great. The thing when like when, when, when Rent was on in the movie theaters, it was lovely. It was, it was actually my birthday. Um, but the cost of it was a lot more than the cost of a regular movie. Mm-hmm. That is and true. Because kind of, we saw Falsettos and I don't remember... If that cost more. I think Newsies did. But I know that Newsies sold out in the theaters, so here. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know I know. Phantom, uh, Phantom Events is a little more pricier than a regular uh, movie theater ticket. But, again, it's, it's the, the scene at large, seeing it, you know, in a darkened theater with people. I also like the aspect of the, uh, the fact that then you can put captions up for people who, you know, can't hear that need the captions to enjoy the show. Mm -hmm. Um, I like that, you know, it's easier to get to a movie theater generally than to New York City. So me being stuck in middle America, I can't get to, you know, I'm, I am a theater fanatic. I go to New York as often as possible. But I still miss a ton of shows and a ton, ton of, you know, many little projects and stuff like that that I would love to see and experience. So um, I can only imagine, you know, for people who, you know, can't make that traveling a priority like I do. Mm-hmm. You know, just being able to be like, oh, I get to see Newsies and they're going to be 20 feet tall and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> 
Well, I also know that they do quite a few straight plays, um, which you, we're not really seeing that on network TV. Uh, they're showing them in the movie theater, which is nice. Do you think a straight play would work on network TV? I know that they had talked about doing a few good men and then I hadn't heard anything in a while about it. But do you think people would tune in for that? I think it would have a, a small audience. I think be, I think a little less than a musical because I think just the the um, I can't think of the word like just the event of it being a musical, mm-hmm. the spectacle, if you will, um, of having the live band behind the actors adds a little drama. But a straight play is just kind of like, you know, oh, I can watch any television show and it's just actors talking. So I think it would depend on the play. Mm-hmm. Like A Few Good Men or Twelve Angry Men or, you know, Now To Kill a Mockingbird is in play form. Mm-hmm. If something like that was on, I think, you know, people would be driven to it because of this particular story. Right. Yeah. I watched... Um... Oh, gosh. I'm having a brain freeze, guys. Um, I think it was Act One, the the play about Moss Hart that was done at Lincoln Center, and they had it on PBS, and it was fabulous. And I just enjoyed being able to watch that. And I'm not usually a person that... I usually tend to go to musicals more than I go to straight plays. I enjoy straight plays, but musicals always attract me more. So it was nice to have that opportunity. But... I think something like that is actually more successful on PBS than it is on network TV. I don't know. Okay, they are American Sun, right? Yes. Yes, they are. That's right. Yes, I remember now. I had forgotten about that one, but yes, they are going to be filming that. Yeah, yeah, that should be on Netflix uh, later. I don't think they had an official date, but yeah. So excited for that. So you guys think Netflix is just going to end up taking over everything? <laughs> That's, what I was That's what I was saying earlier, that uh, they should just like kind of absorb Broadway HD and all these little kind of theater sources and, and just have a little like side production company because then they could do like you know a netflix original oh hey we're gonna put on you know the reunion of avenue q and then since it's on netflix they wouldn't have to edit as much as on national tv right right yeah that was that was the part that was hard for me with rent live was some of the changes that were made and i'm not talking about things that weren't appropriate for tv i'm just talking about in general there were things that were changed or left out which i thought was kind of odd but i don't know if they did it for time uh, it could be i'm not really sure what what the thinking was behind that but i think it was hard for a lot of us hardcore rent fans <laughs> yeah I, I tried i tried to watch it as if like okay this is the first time i'm seeing the story mm-hmm. and i think they did a really good job of like okay here is mark 
So if you weren't a redhead from, you know, 1997 and you just sat down and turned on your TV, you would actually connect with Mark and it wouldn't mm-hmm. be just this kid, you know, jumping around on stage singing. Right. Right. So I think they did a good job in that sense. But yeah, definitely the edits got me. Yeah. Going back to the captions, it was really funny because they would edit the captions, but the audio would still go through. La Vizalem looked like Morse code on the closed captions because it would just be like two dash dash dash, two dash dash dash, two dash dash dash, and like, you know, you know the lyrics to La Vizalem, and they would mm-hmm. just, it, it, it just looked really weird. Huh. That's interesting. So you guys are both major theater fans. If you could pick a dream show to put on network TV, what would it be? Oh, uh, I know it's really hard. Hammerstein's uh, Cinderella. Oh, that's a that's a great. Well, it's been done. Because <laughs> yeah. <I>, yes, because <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, it was written for television. So, <laughs> so it would be yeah, great to do it. Uh, uh, Julie Andrews, wasn't it? And then and then they made a, a movie in the '90s with Whitney Houston and uh, Brandy. Right, I remember that one. What about you, Trish? I don't know. I I'm so not a fan of them on TV, but like that. So, um, but if it was just a straight recording of a show that they could play on TV, I think I'd want Waitress. Oh, okay. Oh, that would be good. Okay. Well, I feel like because um, there's been like they've been doing a lot of talkbacks after the shows, and there's a lot of women that connect on the the horrible level, but feel not so alone anymore and I feel like that would be a really good show absolutely I really like the music so yeah <laughs> yeah well, I have two, and one I haven't even seen yet. <laughs> so, my the first pick I have is "Come From Away." I just think it would lend itself really well to TV, and it's such a great story. And I think we kind of need something like that right now. <laughs> we need something uplifting and kind. I always refer to that as the kind show and because it, it really is and I feel like the more people that see that show the better the world could be <laughs> yes this, yes the second show I would pick and like I said I haven't even seen it yet I'm hoping to one of these days is a British show called six the musical I'm obsessed with the cast recording. <laughs> I'm obsessed. Isn't it coming to Broadway? Um, like they, I thought I saw that last week. It's coming to Chicago this summer. There's nothing def- definite about New York. So I, I really would like to get to Chicago if I can. I doubt I will. But, um, but I know it's definitely going to be in Chicago this summer. Anyway, so anything else you guys want to add about movie or musicals on TV and how people are accepting of them and what they could be doing better? I think uh, to do them better would be to, as we've mentioned before, film them in a actual theater with actual theater fans and uh, probably specifically like 
Broadway cast. Like, don't do stunt casting and just pull names in. I'd like to see that, too. Although, although I will say, Mary J. Blige in The Wiz... She was she she brought it. She was great. And, and you do find that sometimes you do find yeah. that there's a name that can really pull it off. But I don't consider that stunt casting. Though. I just consider that smart casting. Oh, I like that term. Smart casting. I'm going to use that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. It's like, OK, you got the talent. You got the, you're the triple threat. You're perfect. You know, the you know, the story, you know, the words you know everything and you got a name that will draw fans in smart (laughs) okay so producers if you're listening put brandon victor dixon in everything it'll be smart casting (laughs) please (laughs) so okay and what about you trish any parting words for us so one of the things that I really disliked about Rent was for the filming of it was it was too much of a let's make a movie and a lot of movie back and forth between I'm assuming two or three sets um, and sometimes I got super dizzy <laughs> it doesn't have to be filmed that way just film it straight on like you would a show <laughs> yes great advice I, I agree with you I think sometimes they try and do too much and it just doesn't work yeah so they're going for too many cinematic uh, perfect shots and they just need to film it as yeah like you said if it was on a stage right because it, it does give people that real theater experience you know it's i mean otherwise they can just see it in movie form so yeah that that was my issue with greece because i felt like well i can watch the greece movie (laughs) i don't need to see people running around in golf carts and going to different sets and you know I, i it's a cute concept i guess but it just didn't work for me so yeah Aaron Cavay almost wiped out and took out half of the leading cast come on uh, yeah well you know theater. that's true <laughs> <laughs> that is true and that would have been a story <laughs> well guys I just want to thank you so much for joining me um, it's so great to have a fan's perspective on the newest trends in the theater world and hopefully um, we will have some more conversations in the future so i want to thank um aaron carl and trish beefus excuse me again and if you're interested in lending your voice to it's a theater thing email us at theaterthing at gmail.com So this segment of the show is called Beyond the Boards. Each episode, Aaron and I are going to devote this time to Broadway-adjacent events like cabarets, book signings, CD signings, and appearances. So, Aaron, what have you got to share with us today? Well, uh, this week, uh, Ben Platt is uh, starting his uh, pre-sale for the tour 
The tour doesn't start until May, but you can get his album off of benplatmusic.com. And uh, Ticketmaster.com has tickets to all the shows. He has uh, stops in Chicago, Detroit, Toronto, which our friend Trish will totally love because that's the only city in Canada, apparently. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, and then he goes through Texas up to San Francisco and even Hollywood. So, uh, yeah, that's that's my... uh, my little adventure uh, and uh, excitement this week is uh, watching that video and uh, pre-ordering. <laughs> oh, yeah, the video is great. It made me cry. So yeah. I know. Oh, oh so good. He's yep. so good. Yeah, he's coming to D.C., and for those of you who are in the D.C. area, he's going to be playing at the new Anthem Theater, uh, which is getting a lot of attention. I haven't gotten uh, to visit it yet, but... It's kind of on the way to the Nationals ballpark, if you know that area, down uh, by the waterfront. So um hoping to, to get some tickets. I have to convince my husband to go with me first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you have anything else to share? Um, also this week, the St. Louis Muni was hosting their dance call audition. So St. Louis was full of... Broadway's best and brightest ensemble dance teams uh, coming out, strutting their stuff, seeing if they can fill the stage between the big oak trees in Forest Park here in St. Louis. Um, that uh, season doesn't start until the summer. Uh, June, I believe, is one of their first shows. Um, but obviously, they got to get auditions and ready, you know, prepared for the season. So that was a lot of excitement. Twitter was abuzz with all these uh, people flying in and checking in on who was where. Awesome. Well, those of you who know me uh, know that I'm not only just a theater nerd, I am also a huge Anglophile. So I am especially excited about this next announcement. Um, On February 19th, and you'll actually be hearing this podcast after that date, The world premiere of the musical Diana about Princess Diana is starting at uh, the La Jolla Playhouse. And I am super excited about this because I loved Princess Diana back in the day. The official opening of the show is March 3rd. And it's about her life. And the really cool thing is it's written by the creative team from Memphis, um, so it includes um, Joe Pietro, who is um, the librettist and the lyricist, and um, David Bryan, who is also serves as composer and lyricist, and Christopher Ashley is directing. So you can check out their website for tickets for that show. Um, also, on February 25th, uh, Frozen's Patty Murren will join Lindsay Mendez, Ariana DeBose, Santino Fontana, Brad Oscar, Mary Testa, and Robert Creighton for Broadway Belts for PFF. This is a fundraiser to help raise money for the Pulmonary Fibrosis Foundation, and they work to fight pulmonary fibrosis, which is a disease that affects over 200,000 Americans every year. Uh, The fundraiser will take place at the Edison Ballroom, and Julie Halston, 
uh, is going to be the host. She's going to also be starring with uh, Santino uh, Fontana and Tootsie this season, so that's pretty exciting. And if you saw her at BroadwayCon, you know she's going to be an amazing host because she was hilarious. So oh, if yes. you're, yes, <laughs> she she really she really captured the audience and a few times really like brought the house down. So. Um, if you want to see her and all these other great Broadway names, um, you can go to Broadway Belts for PFF.org to get your tickets. So, Erin, you know, I have been dying to see My Fair Lady. Yes. Yeah. And I have not gotten there. I'm hoping in a few months because I don't live in New York, so I have to travel up there to see the show, but um, I'm super excited because Laura Benanti and her mother, Linda, will be coming to the D.C. area. Uh, they're going to be, yeah, You remember, I don't know if you remember, they did a cabaret at 54 Below a while back. I, I did, did hear about, about that, yeah. Yeah, so I didn't get to see it in New York, but they are bringing their show called Laura and Linda Benanti, The Story Goes On to the barns at Wolf Trap. And I don't know if you've ever been to Wolf Trap, uh, but the barns space is a really cool kind of intimate space, actually, uh, in what looks like to be a barn. And um, it's a really great opportunity to see her in action and her mom. I'm, I'm super excited to see her mom because I've heard her interviewed and she's really fun. Uh, so that show is going to be on March 9th. And um, tickets can be purchased through wolftrap.org. And just a side note, I got to see Laura Benanti at the same venue several years ago. She was actually very pregnant at the time. <laughs> I don't know how she got through the show, but she did a wonderful job, and she was hilarious. So if you're in the D.C. area, it's definitely worth checking out. Our last segment of the show is called Fan Picks, and if you're like me, you tend to get stuck on a piece of work, or maybe even an actor. And, I mean, don't ask me how many times I've seen Come From Away. <laughs> it, it, it's really, or, or for that matter, Rent, I mean, it's almost criminal how many times I've seen those shows. Um, but... I tend to get really obsessed, I guess you could say, about certain pieces of work or certain actors. Understandably um, obsessed. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and Erin, and I know you're a lot like me. Is there anything that you're obsessed with right now? <sighs> so I am heartbroken about Anastasia closing at the end of March. So that uh, soundtrack has, or the cast recording, sorry. 40 Lashes with Wet Noodle, cast recording, um, has been just on repeat. I actually have two copies because I picked up a second one at BroadwayCon. And so one stays in my uh, boombox in my house, and then one is in my car, and I just keep flipping back and forth wherever I am, and it's just on constant repeat and has been since the announcement. So... I think I'm going to stick that one out on, uh, be stuck on that one for a little bit. It's, it's such a beautiful show, and it's so sad that it's leaving Broadway, but it's getting so many uh, tours. It's amazing. I mean, all these international tours. I, I just read about um, the Dutch tour that's, that's going to be mm -hmm. happening. I mean, it, it's 
It's yeah. so great that it's going to have a life beyond Broadway. Yes. Oh, definitely. It's, it's worldwide now. It couldn't just be contained in New York. So this is very understandable that it has to close, but still heartbreaking to us uh, fanatations. <laughs> That's right. Um, and I know quite a few who are, who are very sad about it. Yes. <laughs> well, I have two obsessions right now. <laughs> and, Do tell. Yes. <laughs> One is Six the Musical. Now, if you haven't heard about this, seriously, go download the cast recording like today. I mean, mm-hmm. you won't mm-hmm. be sorry. Uh, Six the Musical is a really, really fun uh, cast recording that uh, the concept of the show is basically it's a concert given by the late wives of Henry VIII. Um, Now, the show itself has not played the U.S. It started out at the Edinburgh Festival, I believe the French Festival, um, several several years ago. I'm not sure when, Erin. Do you do you know the date? I, 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 at least two or three years ago, if not a little even longer than that, because weren't the writers in college? They were. They were in college and apparently wrote this show during their final exams, which is amazing because, I mean, I'm, you know, lucky to remember to tie my shoes when I'm in that kind of situation. Right. Oh, the pressure of a final test. No big deal. I'll just write a Broadway musical while I'm at it. Right. Exactly. Why not? And and I'll do it on a, you know, about a subject that that everybody knows about. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so no pressure there. But um, it was written by... Um, Two students uh, named Toby Marlowe and Lucy Moss, and they, I believe, just meant it to be like a one-off. They had it at the Fringe Festival, and it sort of caught steam. And right now, it actually just recently opened in London, and they're supposed to be bringing it to the Chicago uh, Shakespeare Theater this summer, so... I think I may have to take a road trip. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> Anthony Rappin Adventures in Babysitting. Road that's, trip. That's right. <laughs> um, the music is fabulous. I'm just going to say that straight out. It's just fabulous. The talent is fabulous. And it's contemporary, which, you know, it makes it feel like it just makes it feel really on par with what's going on right now as far as the trend in musical theater like Hamilton and Be More Chill. It's, you know, very, very uh, modern. Mm -hmm. Um, Really fun music, very danceable music. Some of it kind of reminds me of, uh, like, club music. Um, And it's, you know, and and if you know your history, which, as I said, I'm kind of an Anglophile and Anybody else out there who who is an Anglophile may be familiar with Lucy Worsley, who is a British historian who did an amazing job on a documentary about the wives of Henry VIII. Um, I learned so much from that, and they these people 
obviously did their homework because there are little bits and pieces in the lyrics of the song that really tell you that they've done their homework, that they know what they're talking about. So good. Again, download it today. You won't be sorry. I love shows like that that give extra little treats for the true fans, the, you know, mm-hmm. the people who dig deeper into the shows. Yeah. Little Easter eggs, little, yeah. And little the, nuggets. And the wordplay is so good. I mean, there's really some really, like, cool lyrics that you're like, Oh, like you have a little aha moment. Like, oh, I get that. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I listen to it at the gym. I listen to it when I'm showering. I listen to it like it's, it's really, it, it's like on constant rotation. <laughs> Yay. So my, my second obsession, um, unfortunately is not playing any longer, but it is the music man at the Kennedy Center. Uh, which starred Norm Lewis as Harold Hill and Jesse Muller as Marion the Librarian and Rosie O'Donnell as Mrs. Peru. I have to tell you, this was fabulous. I really feel like they could take this to Broadway. I mean, maybe in a smaller house, but the performances were so good. Jesse Muller was just lovely. I, I mean, really, there's no other word for it. And Norm Lewis, I mean, that voice, I, you know, what can you say? That that voice can sing anything. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just amazing. And their chemistry was really good. Like, I was kind of like, whoa. <laughs> like, they've got some chemistry going on there. It was it was really something. Um, also, I have to say, this is the best thing that I've ever seen Rosie O'Donnell do. I, most of the time when I see her, I never forget that it's Rosie O'Donnell on that stage. This time, mm-hmm. she really captured the character. I mean, it's not a huge part. She's not on stage, for, you know, for long periods of time. But when she's on stage, she makes it count. The, and additionally, the whole cast, the whole cast is just, like, superb. Via yeah. Cox, who plays um, Marshin's wife, steals the show on a number of occasions. So I'm telling you right now, if there's anybody out there listening who has the power to do this, bring this show to Broadway and have this cast in the show. You won't go wrong. We we need a revival. We need a revival. Yes. Yes. I I would love to see it. There has been such an upswing of, of classics coming back. Uh, Carousel, you know, just last season, and then now Oklahoma's taking over Circle in the Square. So, Music Man could fit right in. That would be great. It, it would be nice to see something that's so well loved done so well. So, I would, I would love to see it. And I, I'm actually a person that usually enjoys seeing newer stuff. I, I don't oppose. Revivals. I mean, there's some revivals I love. I mean, this past season's Once on This Island, I thought was amazing. And so gorgeous. Oh, such a gorgeous show. And should have had a longer life. 
Yes. I, you know, it makes me sad that it didn't. Um, such a beautiful show and so well directed. Oh my gosh. I mean, that's, that's, that's why, why they call him, uh, Michael Arden the genius. Yes. His, his sign name is literally genius. When deaf people talk about him, they sign the sign genius. And Eric, so. can you explain how that came about? Um, so he, uh, did a few shows with the production or with the theater company Death West out in, they're based in California, generally Los Angeles, but they've gone to a few different cities, Pasadena, San Diego. Uh, they just stay on the West Coast generally. Um, he was in uh, Pippin, uh, specifically, he was the voice of Pippin, and they kept trying to get him to come back. They're like, come on, do another show, do another show. And he's like, no, no, no. And they asked him to direct. And his, at the time, boyfriend, Andy Nantes, was like, come on, you know, this, this seems like a good idea. Let's do Spring Awakening. And so they uh, did Spring Awakening together and then came in and out of uh, Anthony got, or sorry, Andy got uh, Marius on Broadway in the Late Miz revival. And then um, Michael was uh, the Hunchback of Notre Dame at the Lloyd Playhouse. So they were both doing other projects on top of it. Um, and then Michael just, like, took over and pushed this production. And the deaf members of the cast gave him the sign name of Genius. And the sign name is basically when you're so indoctrinated into the deaf culture that they give you a sign instead of having to spell your name out all the time. Oh, very cool. Well, I have to tell you, I mean, I've never been a student of directing, but for Mm -hmm. me, just watching that was like a lesson in how you do it. I mean, oh, yeah. you, you could see his hand all over it. it, it in, in Once on this Island, it was mm-hmm. just really wonderful. So, everything from the pre-show to the bows to the exit, everything was just, you entered the world. Right. I mean, and, and you know what? I'm going to also tap that as one of my fan picks because I still think about that show. It stays with me. I love the cast recording. Mm-hmm. In the the score is just this amazing Aaron's and Flaherty score. You can't go wrong with it. It's a great, great show. So if you haven't downloaded that one, first go download Six the Musical and then go download Once on this Island. <laughs> you, you have homework, people. Come on. Right, right. This is your homework. <laughs> So that's it for this episode. I want to thank you guys for listening. If you have any suggestions or if you'd like to appear on the podcast, be sure to send us an email at theaterthing at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook at It's a Theater Thing, or you can follow us on Twitter at Theater Thing. So thanks again. And Aaron, thank you. I will see you next time. Woo!